people do appreciate the local smaller dairies for a lot of reasons. One of them being that, that these dairies are usually the most creative. I mean, most of the things we do now, like organic farming and and that sort of thing, have come through the efforts of these local farms. And one other thing, too, I think most of the local farms here are in their third generation of ownership. But these are families. So these are all successful businesses that have had to be very creative and who care about what they do. And they care about their communities. And I think it's a very, very, it's a big positive for the local communities to have these smaller farms. So what we're doing is we're offering these farms the opportunity to participate in this market like the larger concerns have been able to do by forming a cooperative venture like this. Why should we have diesel trucks on the road operating on diesel from petroleum if we can prevent methane from going in the atmosphere and, and causing problems and also have cleaner emissions from the trucks? It's time for conversations about our food and how it's grown on Farm to Table Talk with your host, Roger Wasson. Talk about farmers. And when we talk about farmers, we know that there's different kinds of farming operations. There's big ones and small ones. And and, and many people have been concerned about the fact that it seems like you have to be a giant organization to be able to succeed these days. or have, But you have to somehow work together and find ways that you can get income into your farming operations. We're going to take a look at a unique contribution that's coming up right now and this is an area of like biogas and the potential for farms to be able to make some additional income we're going to talk about cow power wow what an interesting title cow power and my guest today is charles toka uh, charles welcome to farm to table talk oh, happy to be here thank you you know charles this is an area we're going to get into is this is not a common common idea i think for for a lot of people but you're involved in an interesting project and let's start off with what is cow power i mean that's a pretty interesting name you get the c-o-w-p-o-w-r but what is cow power yeah thank you uh, cow power don't forget there's no e in cow power i don't know why we we lost the E, but uh, it's this cowpower.com. It's um, it's an effort uh, to bring farmers together to produce renewable biogas. Uh, we're forming a cooperative. It's, it's in the process right now. And Cow Power is just another way of letting folks know that we're here and uh, of organizing our message. Well, now, when we talk about incomes that farmers that have livestock can have, uh, certainly then when we talk about cows, you think of the products of ultimately are milk, dairy products, mm -hmm. maybe meat, but now you're adding energy, right? Okay, how's that? I mean, I I understand where the milk comes from, and what we're doing with milk, and I understand where the meat's coming from too. But how do you end up with energy out of cows? Well, I I think it's always great to think of ways of of maximizing your opportunities, maximizing your production, your income. I think farmers are great business people. Uh, they've been business people, many of them, for generations. I think they're always looking for ways to improve their, their operation. 
And I think that biogas is just something that's been around for a long time. I mean, everybody recognizes that the end product, if I can say that, of the cow is a little smelly. And there's a reason for that. Farmers have been done a great job in dealing with the waste product from their cows. They have to do that uh, because they get a lot of it. Uh, cows process a lot of food and, and they end up with a lot of waste. So uh, they, farmers have done many uh, clever, creative, and useful things with that waste, including uh, applying it back onto their crops and 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 fertilizing their their property in a sustainable way. But uh, the biogas aspect of that has been a bit of a of a problem. So what we're doing from an energy standpoint is capturing the the digesting you know gas off that manure and putting it to uh, useful purposes. Let's get a little bit more descriptive here. It's a tricky end of the business, if you will, that we're going to be talking about. And then, and so you got these cows, and and you're milking the cows, and they have their waste from the barns uh, might be on cement floors or somewhat when they go into the milking barns, right? And then they clean those off, and they go into a, a lagoon uh, to hold the manure. Is that right? That's correct. Yeah, a lot of farms use what they call a, a flush system, where they will flush out the, as you mentioned, the cement, and uh, all the all the waste goes into a large lagoon. And the purpose of that lagoon is to control the water, the water runoff, so it doesn't go into the creeks and other water resources that that are around the farm, and also to capture the nutrients and the waste, and then reuse that on the farms in a sustainable fashion. The problem with that has been that the waste goes into the water and it goes under the water. And when the waste is under the water, the germs, the bacteria that break down this waste in the normal process uh, do it in the absence of oxygen. So these particular bacteria, their waste product, their burps, if you if you if you mind, uh, is methane. And methane has been considered to be a substantial uh, greenhouse gas. So that's got the attention of a lot of the climate folks. Well, and uh, appropriately so. Methane is something that we need to be concerned about, but not so concerned that we necessarily uh, want to pull back on the dairy industry. It says, uh, how do they solve that problem? So if you've got the manure, it goes into these lagoons, and it causes the microbes that are in the lagoons, as they're breaking it down, to create methane, which goes into the atmosphere and is there, um, you know, longer than carbon, really. It's one of the serious greenhouse gases, not in quantity, but in the fact that it lasts for thousands of years. So it's important to literally uh, contain it and convert it. So somehow, kind of help me with this picture. So we got these lagoons, you got the manure going into it, you got the farmers that are trying to capture this methane, methane, and you cover it, right? Is that part of this process? Well, yes. The, I mean, the, the quick and easy way to do it is just to put a cover over it and, and to capture it. Uh, the reality is that there's many different technologies available for the farmer to, to, um, to capture the opportunity for the methane. Uh, the quick and easy way is, like I said, is to put a cover over the over the lagoon. Uh, other countries, other areas, uh, they will use tanks, use all kinds of other technologies. But yeah, the key thing is to capture that that manure, the, the slurry that's coming off of the floors, and process it first 
to get the methane out, let the bugs do their work, get the methane out, and avoid that from getting into, into the atmosphere. So you got it covered in somehow or some way it's processed. And how is that captured then? Is it that the methane is in a gas form at that point? It's not liquefied. And it goes into what? Some sort of tanks or some sort of uh, equipment that further processes it so it's, it can be utilized? Sure. Obviously, once it's covered or contained, then we can capture it off of that. And, you know, it's just you, just, you blow it out, different kinds of equipment that will bring that, that gas up and out into a processing situation. Uh, processing this biogas is nothing new and novel. Uh, every uh, uh, oil company has to deal with sour gas coming up out of the ground when they, they drill for oil. So it's nothing novel. The equipment's already there. So we, we take that biogas out, we clean it, uh, and we prepare it for use. And, and the typical use we're looking for here in California is transportation. And we put this in, we make it available for trucks, we make it available for buses. Uh, you'll see a lot of times on your streets when your garbage company comes along to pick up your garbage, you'll see a little sign on the side that says it's being operated on compressed natural gas. So the methane coming out of these 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 systems is the exact same kind of fuel that goes into these trucks and diesel otherwise diesel operated uh, pieces of, of equipment, which makes which reduces particulate matter reduces the emissions because they're using this in the first place. And of course, now the methane is not going into atmosphere; it's being used for a useful purpose. So you captured this methane, and is it something that can go into a tank? And does it take special engines that are able to actually utilize it you know, help me understand that a little bit more yeah well sure well the trick is getting it from the farm to the uh, the ultimate uh, customer the ultimate use of it so there's a couple of different ways we can do that and the key thing as you mentioned is we have to process the, bi the biogas it's, biogas is typically about 40 percent carbon dioxide and and water and a little bit of hydrogen sulfide which is, which is a bad thing so we take all that out we clean it up so that it's pretty pure pure methane, which is actually natural gas, that goes into, that's compressed into either a tanks that are transported by truck to the end end, uh, end the use, or it can be put into the, the uh, utilities pipeline, you know, the PG&E, SoCal gas, the typical utility pipeline, where it's then delivered via the utility to, to its end use. And the end use is typically a, a, uh, a, a transportation fleet uh, buses and, and and trucks will have their own dispensers where they can fill up their, their trucks and, and buses. And these are typically uh, diesel trucks that have been converted for natural gas. Uh, it's, it's something that, that can be done pretty well. Uh, the other option is for diesel trucks to keep on running on diesel, but have a, a hybrid uh, opportunity where they can run on diesel and on natural gas, which is another way of reducing emissions. Uh, the benefit for the diesel trucks is that they their trucks last longer, uh, maintenance is less, that sort of thing. So natural gas into these large trucks is a great opportunity for the, the truck driver and for the environment. Yeah. Well, I have to ask you another dumb question because I'm just trying to make sure I get this clear. Because I go fill my car up with gas yet, even though I've got a, a hybrid car, but I'm, I'm putting I'm putting gas in, so I can pull into the tanks and I can make some decisions. In some places, the ethanol rating is higher than in other parts of the nation, and you know there's other things you can consider. But you you never pull into a truck stop or a, that I have or a gas station. 
that they give you a choice on methane. So does this have to be some sort of like a corporate decision, like a, a truck line or a city government with buses and so forth to be able to set it up where they can easily get the get that fuel once it gets to that stage? Yeah, well, the nice thing, the nice thing for the uh, for, for the industry is that uh, methane um, has to be cleaned and prepared to some very tight requirements to go into the utilities pipeline. So mm-hmm. once it gets into the utilities pipeline, then it can go wherever the utility has has you know their their access. And and what they'll typically do is they'll have a filling station installed uh, at the fleet. Uh, there's also filling stations that are uh, available in California for cars and trucks. You can just pull up to and and fill it up and and go. It's a card operated system, 24 hours a day. So these systems are there wherever the utility has a pipeline. Uh, you can put in these these filling stations. And again, uh, typically they're fleet operated. You you go to a school bus location with enough size, and they'll have a filling station right there for their buses. Now. Tell me again why it's better. It makes sense to me what you've said so far, that we should be capturing this methane because it's bad to put methane into the atmosphere. So if you can convert it to be able to use it for transportation, that seems like, well, that's almost a no-brainer. Of course, we should try to be try to be doing this. But what about what comes out the exhaust pipe? What What's the effect of a, of a normal fossil fuel-operated vehicles and so forth and what we're spewing into the atmosphere versus what's the exhaust that comes from a methane fueled vehicles well i i think that the key benefit and the key um effect we're trying to obtain here is preventing the methane from just escaping into the atmosphere so um as you as you mentioned that the, the climate scientists uh, consider methane to be about 28 times worse than than carbon dioxide so uh, if we can stop it from getting into the atmosphere in the first place, that's the key benefit. Um, right now, that like I say, the methane is just escaping, and it, it's a it's a big problem. And the, so, if we can just stop it in the first place from escaping, that's great. But now that you have the methane, what do you do with it? Well, you have to just, you have to destroy it. And one way to destroy it is to burn it. So sometimes you'll see these these flares operating at uh, you know oil stations, not oil stations, but refineries and that sort of thing because they have a little bit of this uh, petroleum gas that they have to get rid of. Well, I've always thought that just flaring it was uh, a waste. Uh, I, yeah. I, you know, I, uh, I like to, to use every, every piece of, of something that I can. So, so the better opportunity is to have it perform some work. So putting it to work is a good thing. And, and then replacing diesel in a truck with, with methane is a lot cleaner. You reduce the particulate matter, you reduce the, uh, the emissions, so yeah, at the end of the day, you're still going to have carbon escaping into the atmosphere through by carbon dioxide, but you've accomplished a, a huge change in scale in terms of the climate uh, detriment of the gas going into the atmosphere. Let's go back to the cows now. So a farmer has a couple ways to make income. Like I said, they could when the coal cows are ready to go to market or calves, there's for veal or or beef that they get income from that side of it, but mostly they're getting it from milk and then the resulting dairy products. Where can methane fit in as adding to income for farmers that are participating? Well, it's it's, it's another area where they can make uh, income. Uh, the typical farmer 
has processed their waste uh, in, in, in the fashion we're discussing, they end up with a lot of uh, leftover waste, leftover uh, manure. And after processing it, a lot of times they try to sell it for compost. It's a, it's a great fertilizer uh, product. Uh, you, you go to Home Depot, you buy a bag of fertilizer, and you'll you often see it's natural and it's, it's got the, the 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 cow manure in it. So they've made money in the past, all kinds of creative ways, including manure. But the 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 opportunity to capture the methane has not always been available to them. Now, in the old days, in the past, I've got an energy background. A lot of times we would talk about putting in a digester. Uh, we call them digesters because we're we're digesting the manure. Uh, we would put one in, capture the methane, and use it on the farm. We'd run an electric generator uh, using the methane. We'd make electricity for the farm. We'd take the heat off of the, the generator, use it for different purposes. And that's so it's, it's been a concept that's been around for a long time. This is a step up for the farmer in, in this in this case. Uh, the The benefit of transportation fuel is much greater. So there's actually a huge increase in income opportunity for the farmer on these projects well to make that money do they have to invest some money because if you end up looking at at, at a process like this uh, a farmer could say for one thing we should do it just because i ought to be capturing methane and hopefully that enters into the thinking for many people is that they don't want to be contributing methane to the environment to the atmosphere but then the other side of it is if they have to, they could get some income from doing it as well, lower their cost if it's their own operation, and and you know all those things figure into it. But can anybody do it? I mean, isn't there some sort of level of investment that makes it difficult for a farmer to say, "Gee, I want to control methane. I want to be able to use use methane." But can um, can a farmer just do that? No, it's, it's a great. It's a great question. It's it's a complicated process, and I think it's it's a great point that you bring up. Um, the uh, I'm involved in the energy industry, and and we're familiar with bringing on an energy project onto a a client situation, like putting in solar, putting in generators, that sort of thing. And I think that's the approach we're taking here with the farms. the The problem we've had with the, the digester operations in the past has not been so much the upfront cost. It's been the operations of it. It's been the maintaining of these things. So there, there's a certain amount of complication involved in putting one of these things together. There's a certain amount of effort involved in the the operations of it. Uh, if you're a large operation, if you're a large any kind of a large company, you can always bring you can always hire your own people. You can do your own training. You can do any kind of a project that you want. And a lot of very very large corporations will have their own energy facilities on site. But for this, for a farm, that's a little more of a difficult process. The farmer is an expert in what they do, right? Making milk from their cows. Uh, having to do, having them do something else like this is a whole another area of expertise and involvement that's not part of their main business. So, uh, what some farms have done is bring in a third party to build, own, and operate these systems. Uh, we are going forward with the, with the idea of, of forming a cooperative so that we can bring in a third party, which is the cooperative, who has the experience and the knowledge and the capital to put these on, on the, the farmer's uh, property. But the difference we have is that the profit we make from these cooperatives will go, will go back to the farmer versus to a third party uh, 
corporation is basically in it for the profit. Well, what about the government's role in this? Because it, it certainly is a priority for both the federal level, the state level, even global level, for that matter, of trying to get methane under control and make better utilization of methane. So I assume there may be grants and other incentives available to to get these farmers to transition into embracing this technology. Is that be true? You, you assume correctly. <laughs> There's There are incentives out there. there and, and to be honest, there have been. Uh, incentives all along because it's such a no-brainer. Uh, you look at it from a strictly engineering or practical matter. You have this renewable fuel being produced by the by the cows. There's always been interest in somehow capturing this and using it. I think the the climate aspect of it has really uh, increased interest in this whole area. Uh, so yes, there is that kind of uh, funding available. The the timing right now, Roger, is very good. Um, the uh, the current administration passed the Inflation Reduction Act uh, last year, and uh, that uh, that legislation includes something kind of new. It's it's a tax credit, uh, which we've had before, an investment tax credit. But this tax credit can be sold. It can be used by the farmer to or the cooperatives in our case to help fund the system. So that's a new thing. Uh, we also have grants that have been around for different kinds of grants available. Uh, we have grants available at the federal level, and we also have grants available at the state level here in California. So, yes, the, the short answer to your question is there's there's quite a few incentives available. Uh, the other side of the story is that there's a certain time limit on these things. There, there are always, there's always a time limit on these things when they come out. So uh, on our side, we're working with our cooperative to maximize opportunity to take these incentives and build the systems for our, our farmers. You know, you said something that caught my attention uh, about who can really take advantage of it. Because if you're a certain scale, say if I don't know how many thousands and thousands of cows you may have to have to be a, a large-scale farming operation, you may be able to have some dedicated support. You might have somebody that's expertise in writing grants and reports and setting up and negotiating with the companies that that, that you need to. But if you're a smaller dairy farm, you're kind of locked out of it. Like you said, there's a way they participate, but it's actually a third party that's running the, the whole program rather than a, rather than a co-op. So, you know, is this one of those areas that you're functioning in that just like being able to pull people together and say, together, we can do this. We're individually, you don't have the time. I don't have the time. I don't have the expertise. You know, and I don't have the resources to be able to make some of this in initial investment. But if we if we do this together, us medium size or smaller dairy farms, we can take advantage of this, do something good about methane, but actually realize more of the income as well. No, that's exactly right. Uh, the digester program in California has been very successful. The, 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 the incentives, the grants, that sort of thing has really pushed this whole business along. But as you say, the the farms that have been able to take advantage of this are the larger farms. We have uh, somewhere in the area area of two hundred dairies, excuse me, two hundred digester projects in California. Most of those digester projects are aimed at uh, large, 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 large farms of five thousand, ten thousand uh, head of cattle and, and and above in that area. So it's been very, very successful uh, in California. We've re removed a lot of methane that otherwise would go into the atmosphere because of it. So it's been a super Super great program, but the smaller farmers have have not been able to to participate in this. 
we have around 1,100 dairies in California. Uh, so 200 out of 1,100 is 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 just a, a small part of it. There's about 800 dairies that are in the 500 to 1,500 head range. So we think there should be an opportunity for those dairies, and that's where this cooperative approach comes in. We're talking about California, but it exists around the country as well. California is a big state. I think still is the biggest state for dairies in, in the United States. But there are dairies probably in every state, plus all the provinces of Canada and around the world. So is this beyond California? Are these developments taking place um, elsewhere around the world? Yes, of course. And, and one thing we haven't mentioned yet, it's, it's my fault for not mentioning it because you talked about incentives for, for doing these projects. Uh, what I was focused on were the 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 incentives, the tax credits, and that sort of thing for building a, a digester. But uh, there's also advantages. There's also income that comes from the sale of, of the methane gas. And there's emission credits that are made available by some of the jurisdictions. So when you talk about California, we have a pretty robust emissions uh, credit program here that helps to fund these systems. But talking about other states, as you mentioned, other states are also t doing the same thing. I think California is leading the way in, in this area again. Um, as a matter of fact, there are dairies outside of California that are selling their digester biogas into California because the benefits are so great here in California. But other states like Wisconsin and, and these other states, they're taking a look at this as well. I think, uh, I believe Oregon's doing the same thing. Uh, they're taking a look at the emission credits and the ability to capture this methane and encourage it in their own jurisdiction. So yes, I think uh, the concept is there. It's, it's, a, it's a universal concept. I mean, we've Obviously, there, there, there are European countries that do uh, a lot of this, a lot of biogas recovery for their own their own purposes. But uh, the opportunity is there universally. Uh, uh, different jurisdictions have taken different approaches to this. I think as 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 we see more of this being successful, and and through the encouragement of incentives, but on the government level, I think more more jurisdictions are taking a look at this and saying this is something we can do as well. Why should we have diesel trucks on the road operating on uh, diesel from pet petroleum if we can kill two birds with one stone, in, in a sense, you know, prevent methane from going in the atmosphere and, and causing problems and also have cleaner emissions from the trucks? So I think it's it's a there are many, many benefits that are pushing this outside of California. You know, you mentioned credits, and I don't want to get into the weeds on this necessarily, but in some cases, though, there are organizations, often food companies, that are producing more greenhouse gases, and to balance that out, they can purchase credits if they're not if they're producing too much greenhouse gases and so forth. They have to keep track of it now. Certainly in California, you have to keep track of a lot of it. And in different parts of the country, certainly in Europe, they have to keep track of a lot of the greenhouse gases as well. So if they're overshooting the market, they're putting too much greenhouse gases, then they can go to some place and get and buy credits then. Is that is that the way that works? I know it's confusing and we'll get, get off of this pretty soon. But um, but that's also a source of income then to be able to sell those credits then. So that's what you're saying. That, that's a key point. Here in California, we're trying to reduce the carbon content of our fuels. And, you know, how do you reduce the carbon content of diesel? Well, it, you, you really can't. Diesel is diesel. But uh, they have a system in place you're talking about where we have certain targets we're trying to meet. 
And if the uh, producers or, or uh, importers of a fuel cannot reduce the carbon in their fuel through their own purposes, then what they can do is they can go to other uh, op other options. They can buy credits from, say, like like the dairy farmers. And th this, I, what, one aside on this, and you're probably aware of this, Roger, that this program has been very successful in California. Um, it's been so successful that right now, 50% of the diesel that we're putting into our trucks and cars uh, here in California comes from non-petroleum sources, comes from soybean oil, comes from animal fats, that sort of thing. So this whole process they put together in California where they are targeting the reduction of carbon and fuels and making it possible to either do that on your own with your own product or purchasing those credits from somebody else has made a big difference in California. It's a very broad program and uh, it does it does uh, provide an opportunity for the farmers to go out and, and offer an alternative uh, fuel now uh, to to things like diesel. You know, I, one other point I, I think we should bring up is that there's sympathy at the consumer level with seeing uh, farms succeed that aren't giant. I mean, the questions come up when you ask people. They say, well, where does it come from? Is, is it true that this foreign country is dominating, producing, you know, buying land? Or is it is it true that, you know, these people are raising a million hogs or, you know, and they just don't like the idea of it requiring you to be giant to succeed. And this comes back to the spot where, you know, you can be targeting companies or farms that aren't giant size. They're not huge industrial operations necessarily, but can be medium size or, or small. So in addition to, you know, making decisions uh, about policies and about what the fuels are going to be, uh, it seems like you could get a lot of people that like the idea of what you're trying to do of let smaller farmers and independent farmers succeed where it would be hard for them to participate in this if if they didn't have what you're doing. And that's where we need to transition, Charles, and say what exactly that is. I mean, what what is the biogas cooperative and what stage are you in having this program be successful and do everything you hope it can do? Yeah, just one quick thought on that. I, uh, I'm old enough to remember when I could just uh, drive over to the the um, what was it called? It was a uh, there's a little drive up store, and I could buy my milk and my butter that what had come from a local dairy. Yeah, uh, and that that's 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 the way things have been, and I and I think that people do appreciate the local smaller dairies. Uh, for a lot of reasons, one of them being that, that these dairies are usually the most creative. I mean, most of the things we do now, like organic farming and and that sort of thing, have come through the efforts of these local farms. And one other thing, too, I think most of the local farms here are in their third generation of ownership. These are families. So these are all successful businesses that have had to be very creative and who care about what they do. And they care about their communities. And I think it's a very, very, it's a big positive for the local communities to have these smaller farms. So. What we're doing is we're offering these farms the opportunity to participate in this market like the larger concerns have been able to do by being by forming a cooperative venture like this. And, and as you mentioned, through the cooperative, we can have you know a 10,000 cow uh, base, but because we have 1,000 or 1,500 
members in the group contributing all their their cows and, and their 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 product. So with the ten thousand cow base, we can operate like a large farm and take advantage of some of these programs. You know, I, it, it's a great story. And if people want to know more about this program, let's let's start with say if you're farmers or if you know farmers or if you're if your dad's a farmer and you wish he'd pay attention to this, you know, where do you point them to be able to participate in a program like you're putting together? Well, I would encourage them to start with by going to our, our website we have set up, cowpower.com. Uh, no E in cowpower. I just I have to figure out some reason why there's no E in the cowpower. We just didn't work out that way, but Calpower.com is a good entry for this. Uh, it'll give them some background on what we're what we're doing. It explains the, our our program, and there's even a sign up sheet if they want to sign up and and say come talk to us, see if we if we qualify for this kind of a program. But I think it's a good place to get started. Yeah, well, I'm I'm sure they're going to turn to it, and I I, I think one other comment on this uh, broadly, we're talking about the dairy industry. But I assume the idea of pulling together and finding ways that you can cooperate as informing this cooperative for other kind of middle-sized and smaller farming operations makes sense. I mean, if they're going to have the advantages that the very large scale have, they are going to have to keep working at cooperating with each other. And so I would guess that in other ways, what you're doing will be a model that will be looked at for other parts of the agriculture food chain too. Of course. And I think that farmers are very, very much aware of this. As you're probably aware, most of the milk that we get is processed by cooperatives. The the smaller farmers have gathered together and and formed a a cooperative to produce, to to build huge milk processing plants to make their milk. So the the whole, uh, the whole concept of cooperative uh, involvement in order to, to get your, your, your product to market, and to bring in economies of scale and, and these sorts of things. It's not a new idea. It's maybe it's being applied to a new opportunity for farmers processing their waste in a new way and increasing their income and uh, making life a little better for all of us. Well, I thank you for coming on Farm to Table Talk and talking about something that can make life a little better for all of us because we've got people that listen to this that either farm themselves and want to do a better job, care about the climate, care about whether food's produced, and like to see progress like you're outlining today. So, Charles Toka, thanks for being on Farm to Table Talk. My pleasure. You've been listening to Farm to Table Talk with your host, Roger Wasson. 